0: Okay, hey, good morning Hudson Valley. Do do want to welcome everyone to our service today and a special welcome to our visitors. Grateful that you decided to come and worship God with us today. Um, I do want to wish everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day. I see that some people got the memo, some people missed it, but that's okay. There's time to recover uh, the rest of the day and get your green on. More importantly though, I want to wish everyone a happy Selection Sunday. Happy Selection Sunday. Still, we're just not there yet. It's March, March Madness, remember? The big basketball tournament happening. They picked the teams today. Amen. Yeah, Duke did win, and Katie keeps rubbing that in because my favorite team is UNC, and so she's got bragging rights right now. And more connected to Duke. She went there. I didn't go to UNC. Anyway, that's what's going on in our house. But I do want to say, How excited I am about the beautiful weather. I think we might be turning the corner here, possibly. I did see a robin this morning, and as my dad tells me, that's a sign that spring is on its way. So, you're welcome for passing along that good news. I did see a robin today, so be on the lookout for that. But as far as the sermon goes today, um, I want us to talk about the heart of connection with God. In the heart of connection with God, our Father, is prayer. And when we think about prayer, a simple way to think about prayer is that prayer is intimacy with God. Intimacy with the Father. But I want us to ask ourselves today, what is the heart of prayer? If someone were to ask you that and say, You know, if I want to learn about prayer, and I want to really improve my prayer life, what is the heart of prayer? What would you say? What is the heart of prayer? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And someone asked me recently, actually, if I want to learn more about prayer, what should I study out? And I had been preparing this message and thinking about this message, and I first responded, I'm so glad you asked that. I have a good answer for you. And so I pointed this person to Luke 11, which is where we're going to be today, so you can turn with me in your Bibles over to Luke 11. And I I pointed this person to Luke 11 for two reasons. One, because it's a teaching from Jesus. And if we're going to learn about prayer, let's learn about prayer from Jesus. Amen to that, right? But number two, it's Jesus' longest and most in-depth teaching on prayer. And I believe what he does here in Luke 11 is he takes us to the heart of prayer. And Jesus lets us know that the heart of prayer is the goodness of God and an understanding of God's graciousness, his love, and his compassion. That is the heart of prayer. So I have Three points for you today around that idea. Point number one, acknowledge the Father's name. When we pray, we need to acknowledge the Father's name. Point number two, behold the goodness of the Father. Okay, behold the goodness of the Father. And point number three, blatantly ask the Father. You know, God is so good, He's so gracious that we can go to Him and just blatantly just straight up ask him for what we need and we know that we'll be provided what we need by him and so if you you know put that all together the acronym there is a b b a or abba which is aramaic for father right see that you see what i did there see there's some some intention behind that i didn't just picked blatantly out of the air. I thought, well, you know, that'll connect there. So, some of you are with me. Amen. Well, let's dive into Luke 11. And again, draw from Jesus what the heart of prayer is and understand real intimacy in our connection with God. So, point number one, acknowledge the Father's name. So, Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say. And so what I'd like to do now is I'd like for us to pray this prayer together. And I'm going to read it, and whatever is a, a good posture for you in terms of prayer, if you need to find a comfortable position in your chair, I I encourage you not to lay down, but um, you can find a comfortable posture. If you'd like to close your eyes or if you'd like to focus on the words up here, just uh, listening to my voice, I'd like for us to pray this prayer together. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation <clears throat> okay you can open your eyes so so here we have the lord's prayer Right, And this section of teaching on how to pray begins with the Lord's Prayer. And I just want to say this up front with this prayer. You know, some of us may be uncomfortable with this prayer or trying to figure out how do we work this into our prayer life. What's our, what should our attitude be towards this prayer? And there may be s- some reasons behind that. I know for myself, um, when I was part of a prior religious group, this was... A prayer that we said often, and I memorized it, and I would say it often. And over the course of time, I lost connection with what I was saying. And stopped really thinking about, what is Jesus saying here? What is he teaching us by this prayer? What is he teaching me by this prayer? And so I stopped saying it. And I know what it says there, and I'm familiar with it. I understand it uh, to uh, a better point. And I think that might be a pretty typical experience for a lot of us in the room. And so what I'd like for us to do today is to rediscover this prayer. Rediscover this prayer because Jesus says, When you pray to his disciples. Right? He's saying, when you pray. So the understanding is that you're going to be praying, that his disciples will be praying. And he says, say this prayer. I mean, say these words. Right? I mean, this is from Jesus. Our Lord, our Savior. So this is important for us to rediscover this prayer and give it its proper place in our lives. And I don't think that he was intending that his disciples would just say it and not think much about it, but that they would say it and connect with it. So let's dive into this prayer a little bit more and understand it so that we can, again, rediscover it uh, and use it in our own prayer life. The prayer is really a reflection of the greatest commandment found in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the prayer begins with this loving acknowledgement of God. Father, hallowed be your name. We'll get to that more of that in just a minute. And then it moves into this place where we're asking for things. Jesus is teaching his disciples to ask for things within a community context. Right? He, he says, the prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And so it's not just for us. It's for us in community. And so when we pray that, we're not just thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about those around us. We all need forgiveness, right? We all need protection from temptation. And so it's a way to love those around us. So it's interesting here how the prayer follows that structure of the greatest commandment. And so Jesus helps his followers begin their prayer by helping them remember who they are praying to. Right? The first word in there, Father. And Jesus always, with the exception of a few times, referred to God as Father. And that's how he knew God was. He knew God As Father. And so he's trying to teach his disciples to understand God that way. You're not just praying to some God out there, you're not just praying to some deity, some being up there, you're praying to your Father. And this was such an important aspect of Jesus' ministry. I mean, Jesus came to show us the Father. Right? If you look in, and we, you don't have to turn there, but if you look at John 14, verse 9, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the disciples say, how are we supposed to know the way? What, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, you know the way because you've seen me. And you know the Father because you have seen me. I've come to show you the Father. And so Jesus is helping his disciples here to see that when you pray, begin with acknowledging the Father, in connecting with who you're praying to. And then he continues in those lines as he's teaching this prayer. He's teaching his disciples by helping them connect with the nature of their Father. That's the next line in the prayer. He says, Hallowed be your name. Now you may be thinking, what in the world is he talking about here? Hallowed, we don't use that word very often today. What does that mean? Well, let's start with name. Name is not just a label. That's how we often think of name, right? As a label for someone. Name means a person's nature. It means a person's character, who they are in their being. And so he's saying that God, in His character, in His nature, at His core, He's hallowed. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means holy, or separate, or completely and entirely good. There is no evil within God. He can't get close to us to it. There's nothing evil about God. There's no evil thoughts. There's no evil intention. There is nothing evil about the Father that Jesus is teaching us to pray to. That is so critical for disciples to understand when they approach the Father. That they're not just praying to some God out there who does some nice things sometimes or who's interested in and maybe sometimes I'll bless people. No, you are praying to a Father who is completely and entirely good. And that is the heart of prayer. And that's where prayer needs to begin. You know, when you think about God, God is so concerned that His name be understood for what it is. That people within the community of, of Christianity, or the community of disciples, but also the world around us, know who God really is. And he's not just, he hasn't, wasn't just interested in that now, and in the time of Jesus, you could see that as a theme in the Old Testament. Again, okay, I'm going to read a few passages for you that convey this idea. 1 Samuel 12, Verse 22. God says this, for the sake of his great name, right? For the purposes of his name being known, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. So he's talking about Israel and he's saying for the sake of his name, so his name would be understood so people would realize who God is. He would not reject his people. You see, he's so concerned with people understanding who he is. Isaiah 48, verse 11, you see the same, same idea uh, conveyed here. For my own name's sake, I will delay my wrath. Right? So God's going to delay his wrath so that people would know that he's a good God. And then in verse 11, he says, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. So the same idea is being conveyed here. Psalm 23 Verses 1 through 3, a prayer that we know, a psalm that we know very well. I want to just read the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. But then listen to this. He guides me along the right paths. Right? He guides me in, in the way of righteousness. Why? For His name's sake. Right? Do you see you see the idea here. This, you see the importance of understanding the name and the nature of God. And we have to get that. We have to get to that place as we pray. And so then that's followed with these three petitions. Well, actually, excuse me. Uh, right before he gets to those petitions, he talks about the kingdom of God. Let the kingdom of God come. Let the realm of the reign of God come. And not just to the world, but to our lives, right? Let God reign in our lives. That's what that prayer is about, but also fully here on the earth. And then it moves into this place of petitions, asking God for what we need. Food or manna or basic necessities. Forgiveness daily, which is the heart of the kingdom message. And then faithfulness or resisting temptation, So Jesus was teaching his followers to be dependent on God for all of their needs. And we do that in prayer as we ask for those things that we need. Food, forgiveness, faithfulness, able to to resist temptation and avoid evil. And so as he he, he talks about this uh, temptation piece, he helps his disciples realize that temptation is all around you. Right? And we learn that all throughout the scriptures. First Peter 5, verse 8. Satan is like a roaring lion, roaming around, looking for someone to devour. Right? And so we need, his disciples, they needed help to avoid or resist temptation. But again, the beginning of the prayer is all about acknowledging the Father's name. And everything else needs to be filtered through knowing God. You know, we've all had a a parenting experience to some extent, right? We've all been parented uh, by somebody and and perhaps that was um, a positive experience or perhaps not. Perhaps it was a combination of both. Um, But it's, it's, it's fun to think about some of the classic things that parents say, right? Things like money doesn't grow on trees. Maybe you've heard that one before. I'm still trying to figure out what that means exactly but um another one i brought you into this world and i could take you out yeah some of you finished it so maybe it's been said to you maybe you use that one i don't know i'm not saying that it's a good idea to use it but um maybe you've heard this one close the door were you born in a barn what is wrong with you I, I, nobody said that to, my parents didn't say that to me, but I know that's, that's one that's out there. Or maybe this one, you keep your mouth shut when you're talking to me. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut when you're, figure that one out. Figure that one out. (laughs) Um, But this is the one I want us to to think about and really focus on, right? And I did have this one (laughs) said to me on a few occasions, but, who do you think you're talking to? Right? Who do you think you're talking to? And then I had to step back. You know, when it said to me, I had to step back for a minute. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it's like, oh yeah, what did I say? Like, I, you know, it must have been something that really offended uh, my parents or was just disrespectful. Like, you know, and and that's the point of that, right? To get us to step back and think about, you don't, you don't talk to me like that. And my point is that I don't think God stands out there and says, "Who do you think you're talking to?" I don't think God is doing that. That's not the kind of God he is. But I do think it's important for us to realize who we're talking to. Right? And that's the the beginning. Prayer is centered around that. Right? If we realize and know the goodness of the Father, it will change your prayer life. And that's why Jesus starts with helping his disciples see that. You've got to acknowledge the Father's name right up front. You have to know that. And so be sure to pray. But when you do, acknowledge the Father's name. And I believe that's the most important attitude when we approach prayer. You know, sometimes our prayers can be so watered down and we're just going through the motions. And sometimes we just babble on. And, and, and you know, the Bible talks about not doing that and why we shouldn't do that. The reason that we shouldn't do that is because of who we're talking to. and So we can't allow that to infiltrate our prayer life. Know and understand the graciousness and the goodness of God. Begin with acknowledging the Father. Father, hallowed be your name. And so a real practical way to do that, and I want to encourage all of us to mindfully Pray the Lord's Prayer this week. Okay, mindfully pray the Lord's Prayer this week. And I'll just say, as I was preparing this message, it was helpful for me to rediscover this prayer and to incorporate it into my prayer life and use it often. And it really, honestly, had a huge impact on me this week. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. And when you pray, say the first portion, but stay there for a moment. And just stay there and dwell on the goodness of the Father before you move right on into the next section because that will change the whole prayer for you. You see, I'm not just holding this up because I think it's so important. Okay, I'm holding that part of the prayer up and that idea up because I believe that the, the parable that Jesus gives us next is about this very idea. So let's go ahead and move on into this parable as we think about beholding the goodness of the Father. And this is such a cool, I love this parable. It's so cool the way that he pulls his disciples into this. He says in verse 5, he says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet... And probably in your translation, it says, because of your shameless audacity, but if you read the footnote, it says, to preserve his good name, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Okay, so let's break this this parable down a little bit, because it might be a a bit confusing, Well, what Jesus is doing here, remember, he's talking to his disciples, and he brings them face to face with their misconception about God. That's why he's telling this parable. And it's good for us to realize that, too, because it puts us in the same position. Realize your misconception about God. So he says, he begins by saying, suppose one of you has a friend. So this is kind of cool. In the parable, he, he, he's, he's identifying the, his disciples' position in the parable right up front. And he doesn't always do that. A lot of times he uses these other characters and says, well, this person and you know, this unmerciful servant or whatever. But he says, no, suppose you have a friend like this. And you go to this person at midnight, this friend. And you say, I, I got a problem. I, I'm in need here. Right? I had this friend come to me. And I have nothing for him. And you see, that was a problem. Because if you were in the first if you were someone that lived in the first century, and you didn't show hospitality to someone, that was devastating for you. That would give you a bad rep throughout the whole community. You see, hospitality was so important in that day and age. And let me just take a quick time out and just say, you know, hospitality... Needs to be so important in our community as well, in the community of Christians, in the community of disciples. And if you want to learn about hospitality, you just go over to Roland and Terry's house. Okay? Seriously, that house is a party all the time. There's always people over there. And, they're, and Terry, and don't let Terry tell you that she's not a good cook, because she is. Actually, she's a very good cook. And, and anytime you go in there, not only do you just feel the love and the acceptance and the joy and the party, but you're provided for. I mean, that is their concern, and I so appreciate that about them. So anyway, if you want to learn, you know, go to go to Terry's house, um, but let her know that you're coming over first. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I just invited everybody over to Terry's house. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but hospitality was so important. So this. This, this, this person, in this case it's, it's you, know, you, you go to your friend and you say, I'm in this desperate need, I have this real issue. Lend me three loaves of bread. And there's a very specific request. And so if you're if you were a disciple, if you're someone listening to the parable at the time, your thought, your next thought is, of course the person on the inside is going to give up and get up and provide everything that they need and maybe more than what they need. That was the assumption. But then Jesus flips the script. He puts them and confronts them with their misconception. The person inside says, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And his disciples must have been like, what? How could a friend do that? And that's critical. Because that's how we think about God. We think about God as disinterested, grumpy, not going to help us out, doesn't really care about our needs and what we need. And so then Jesus, you know, finishes the parable and he says, though the one on the inside, he might not get up because of friendship, but he will get up to preserve his good name. Okay, and that's God. For his namesake, he will get up and provide for what his people need, for what his children need. So he just, he blows everyone's misconception out of the water. If you think of God like this, he's not like, he's not like that. He's going to provide because he's a good God. And I hope you see that in the parable Now. Have you ever had a wrong assumption about something so blatantly pointed out and then just destroyed, dismantled? Have you ever had that? You just assume something about maybe someone or something, and then it was totally destroyed. Anybody have that before? Okay, just a few people. Well, I'll share. Um, so <clears throat> remember, remember when the Hunger Games came out several years ago? The Hunger Games, the movie, and the books, and there was this hype about it. I was like, oh, this is amazing. It's so awesome. got to check this out. Like, I, was a, I was a Hunger Games hater. I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? What could be good about this book and movie? Right? That was my attitude about the Hunger Games. I'm not, you're not going to pull me into the Hunger Games weirdness. It's going to fade out in no time. Ser- that, I'm serious. That was my attitude towards it. And then Katie convinced me that I should watch it. And reluctantly, I decided that, I, okay, I'm going to be a good husband here, something that she likes and she's into, but I'll watch it. And it blew me away. It's an awesome movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, you should go check it out. Katniss, I mean, so, just amazing. she's amazing. She's taking people out. It's, it's great. And so, you know, I just had my assumption blew, blew out of the water. And then I surpassed Katie's love for the movie. So we watched Catching Fire, and that was great, and I wanted more. And then we missed Mocking Jay 1. So I'm just giving you the order of the movies. Mocking Jay 1, we missed that. And then Mocking J 2 came out. And we're in Indianapolis, and I thought, we have to see Mocking Jay 1. Before we go see Mocking Jay 2, we have to know what's happening. So, so we watched Mocking Jay 1 on Amazon at like 8... We started the movie at like 8 o'clock. So we finished it around 10, and I looked at the movie listings, and I said, Katie, there's a showing at 10.20 at this theater down the road. And I know you're tired, and I know you're eight months pregnant. But we should go. This is true. This happened. But then my prefrontal cortex kicked in and overrid the emotional part of, you know, my brain. And I just said, I'm sorry, you're pregnant. Maybe we can go tomorrow. (laughs) But it was, yeah, I just, it, it, I had this assumption about it prior to, and then I realized how awesome it was. And this is what we need to do with God and maybe you're not in a place where I just I really just don't like God and he's just this mean awful person but maybe our relationship with God has become stale Maybe we don't fully grasp the goodness and the graciousness and the compassion of the father and so we need to rediscover that we need to get back to a place where the perception of God in our minds is accurate as a loving father that he is and lots of different things shape our perception of God right? Maybe a bad experience with another Christian or another group, or maybe, this, maybe there's a father relationship in your life that, you know, makes your relationship with the Heavenly Father confusing. And I think it's important to, to look at that and figure that out and sort through those things. But whatever it is, if you're going to have a great prayer life, if you're going to have intimacy with God, if you're going to connect with the Father, you need to understand God for who He is. And that's a good and loving Father who will provide, who will give you exactly what you need. Maybe not what you asked for, but exactly what you need. And so the place to go to correct that, okay, so here's the practical here. The place to go to correct that to where you more naturally behold the goodness of the Father is to look at the life of Jesus. To grasp and understand how good Jesus is. Because again, Jesus came to show us the Father. And so this week, my challenge for you in that regard is to bring around you a collection of stories and passages about Jesus that help you to connect with God's goodness. And for me, it's all about the way that Jesus healed people. I mean, it's amazing. These people that were cast out by society, these nobodies, these people that were in desperate need, that had no hope, no chance, no way to God, apparently. And here comes Jesus, so willing and excited about healing people and showing people the goodness of the Father. And so as a result of of correcting that misconception and that understanding, Jesus says... Well, then go and just ask God. Ask the Father for what you need. And so moving into Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open." Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if we ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so here Jesus says to his followers, right, because the Father is good, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Those are some amazing promises right? Just ask, and it'll be given to you. And he says, everyone who asks, everybody who asks, receives from the Father. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks, the door will be open to you. More amazing promises. So he wanted his, his followers to know that they could go to the Father and they could ask for what they needed, and they would be provided for, because God is good. And that's the nature of God. And then he goes into this place where he helps them understand why they can believe that based on the nature of humankind. He says, which of you fathers, right, if your son ass- comes to you and asks for something that they need, would give them something that would harm them? Would you ever do that? No. Fathers would not, you would not do that. And he says, and you understand that and you behave that way, but you are evil. Right? So if we understand that if we behave in that way and we're evil, how much more is the good father hallowed be his name going to give to his children what they need? Right? And then he said and then he then he talks about this the holy spirit. How much more will the father give the holy spirit? What where'd that come from? Right? Well the holy spirit is the greatest gift. The greatest gift to us. Followers of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives us relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit makes us, in a sense, sons and daughters of the Father. Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves... So that you're in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. That's the greatest gift. And if we ask the Father for it, for Him, He will provide it. That's how God is. That's how God rolls. You know, as a dad, each day, beginning at 7 a.m., the asking, the seeking, and sometimes the knocking begins all through the day. And lots of those requests are granted. Even a couple weeks ago, to get a milkshake at Johnny Rockets. Now, let me just time out for a second. If you've not had a Johnny Rockets milkshake, shame on you. No, just kidding. But you should go and get it. Ask for a black and white milkshake, chocolate syrup, vanilla ice cream. It's amazing. Okay, so that's, you know, we so we did that a couple weeks ago, but <clears throat> there are things that they asked that my daughters asked for that would not be good for them. So I'm not going to. Give them that. Now, okay, milkshakes are debatable, all right, whether or not. I didn't just keep giving them milkshakes. But there are things they ask for that wouldn't be good for them, like Tinkerbell over and over and over, watching the movie over and over and over again, right? That's just too much. But, we'll, you know, we'll watch it every once in a while. And I never knowingly give my daughters something that would hurt them. And I am evil, right? That's part of our... Okay, I didn't mean to freak you out. I'm not, like, evil like that. But I have the sinful nature as part of me. But I understand good gifts to my daughters, right? And that's the way they come and ask. So we've got to understand that about God. He's not going to give us everything that we ask for, right? God's not, the Father's not some genie up there that just, you know, grants us requests. Because the reality is, is that sometimes we ask for snakes and scorpions. And we don't even realize it. So, God's not gonna give you everything that you ask for and everything that you want. But I guarantee you, as Jesus has told us, He will give you what you need. But you need to ask. So, this week, I encourage you ask, seek, and knock. Create a list of your asks. These are the things that you're going to the good Father to ask Him about. So, create a list. Here are the things that you're going to him about. And so for all of us, let's continuously acknowledge the Father's name. Let's behold the goodness of the Father and blatantly ask the Father. I want us to close with the Lord's Prayer. And we can um, say it together or if you want to just uh, you know, say it quietly. Uh, in your mind, that's, that's okay too. So let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen.